right, guys, we're going to rock and roll here shortly on the show. Uh, take a look at the uh, headlines on screen. Take a look at the headlines on screen. Um, University of Virginia authored an interesting letter on Friday that is gaining significant traction within the community. This letter um, opposes a project on Ivy Road in the truest bank location next to Bo's original barbecue. This project is... um, has significant opposition and significant support in this community, like much, many, um, many uh, housing projects that are going to be ones based with significant change do. We're going to break down the details on today's program. After this show, you're going to see this in the news cycle everywhere uh, in Charlottesville and Central Virginia. If you could do us the favor, give the show a like and a share anywhere you are watching. If you're watching on Twitter... Um, give me a retweet, please. That would mean the world to us. If you're watching on Facebook, like and share the show. J-Dubs, I see us live on LinkedIn. That's excellent news. See us live on Twitter. Um, I see us live on my personal Facebook page. My personal Facebook page, 6,100 followers and counting. Um, I see us live on LinkedIn. Uh, YouTube is fantastically live. Um, my LinkedIn, what is it? 6,535 followers on my LinkedIn. 6,130 followers on my personal Facebook. I love Seville, 6,600 plus followers on I love Seville. That is live there. The I love Seville group, I'm going to confirm here. Viewers and listeners, like and share the show. Look at the headlines. I love Seville group. That's 4,100 members. That is live there. Judah, I Love Seville Food has... Be going live now. Going live now. Excellent work, Judah. We are live on I Love Seville Food. 7,700 followers on Seville Food. My personal Twitter, um, 1,300 followers. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, LinkedIn... Join us in the show, like and, the share, like and share the show. We're going to get rocking and rolling in a matter of moments. J-Dubs, things are looking good on my end. Uh, I'm ready to rock and roll as you get those other pages um, live um, during the show. I like that approach we, we took there. Um, let's rock when you're ready. Quiet on the set. Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us. It's a pleasure to connect with you through our network, the I Love Seville Network, on a chilly start to the week. Look at the screen for the headlines, um, and then uh, 
you'll see an idea of what we're going to talk about today on the program. If you want to change hoops on that second to last headline to b-ball with two capital B's in there, Judah, that'll fit uh, perhaps a little tighter. Um, B-ball? B-B. No, no dash. Just right. B-B. Two capital B's. Um, thank you kindly. Today is the one-year anniversary of a mass shooting that really had a significant impact, not just on the Charlottesville community, not just the Virginia UVA alumni and student community, but I think really the country and, 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 and colleges and universities everywhere will reflect on the one-year anniversary on today's program, a shooting that left three dead three um, men entering the prime of their life at the hands of a gunman that we still don't have you know, clarity in the answers that we've been searching and hunting for. University of Virginia really tight-lipped on uh, the details from its investigation. I'll ask some questions and I'll reflect today. I also want to talk about a project on Ivy Road. It's located um, potentially at the location of the Truist Bank on Ivy Road, right next to Moe's Barbecue. The Truist Bank is a parcel of just over one acre, 1.02 acres to be exact. Um, the, the land, the building is owned by RMD Properties, RMD Properties. You go on to the Charlottesville GIS, I'm on the Charlottesville GIS a handful of times a week, and you'll see RMD Properties lists a Winston-Salem P.O. Box as its mailing address, and RMD Properties has plans for a 10-story 130-foot-tall building with 242 apartments within it that would be home to 600 people, potentially. I'll give you my analysis in writing on ilovesevil.com right after this show. My analysis is almost done. The analysis includes the letter from the University of Virginia, which was penned on... Friday, authored by um, the school's architect and Colette Sheehy, the Senior Vice President for Operations and State Government Relations. A lot of folks are vehemently in opposition to this project, and a lot of folks are vigorously supporting this project. I'm going to ask questions on today's show, like, is a 242-unit apartment building on Ivy Road that could potentially house 600 people, good for the Charlottesville community, is the infrastructure in place to support this kind of density? What will this kind of density do to the Lewis Mountain neighborhood? If you watch this program, you realize that I've said, with my crystal ball, the Lewis Mountain neighborhood will dramatically be impacted by upzoning, rezoning, the draft zoning ordinance, whatever you want to call it. I'll outline the playbook for potentially stalling this project. 
And is that playbook what happened on Zero East High Street? And is that playbook what happened with Phase 3 Dairy Market with the 10th and Page neighborhood? We'll have all those conversations and we'll welcome you, the viewer and listener, to offer your thoughts and perspective on today's program. There was a massive brawl at Charlottesville High School. Rob Schilling's got the video. A brawl that is, um, how would you characterize the brawl, Judas? I weave you in quickly on a two-shot. I w- I'd say, as, as, a, as a parent, scary. Um, it was in the library. Yeah. <clears throat> Other reports say girls thrown against the wall. Mm. Uh, teachers sustaining significant injury. Yeah, apparently one teacher seeking legal, legal counsel. Legal counsel. Folks are asking the question, did this Charlottesville High School brawl, is this one of the reasons why the principal resigned? The news re-reported last week on the I Love Seville show. A lot of folks are asking about school resource officers and saying, look, get the officers back into the schools and make them more prolific in number. Yeah. Folks pointing to potential lawlessness within the hallways of Charlottesville High School. The only high school in Charlottesville City. Not to mention the fact that they're supposed to have a ban on phones, and obviously that wasn't the case if somebody got a video of it. Another dynamic. Well said, Judah Wickhauer. A cell phone ban at Charlottesville High School, yet multiple students at Charlottesville High School documenting a brawl that seems to have involved somewhere between 20 and 30 people on cellular cellular devices and then distributing the brawl, the video content, on various social media channels. Not a good look for the only high school in Charlottesville. We'll talk about that on today's show. We'll also talk Corey Alexander... For those that don't know, he is a color commentator for the ACC Network. He calls basketball games. He's an alumni of the University of Virginia. He's one of the greatest basketball players in UVA history. He was a first-round draft pick by the San Antonio Spurs into the National Basketball Association, the NBA. He's had a prolific basketball career. He finds himself in some hot water at a basketball game against the Florida Gators at a neutral site in Charlotte, Corey Alexander, the color commentator, the broadcaster, finds himself a part of a ball game, a bang-bang play, where officials made one call in support or in favor of UVA, and out of bounds, a ball hitting what they thought was the leg of a Florida Gator and going out of bounds, Hmm. whistling the ball in UVA's favor, Corey Alexander gets loud, boisterous, motions to officials saying, we have a better replay with Hmm. the ACC network. Look at my monitor. You need to overturn the call. It should be the Florida Gators basketball and not UVA's. Interesting. This causes anger from Tony Bennett. Like I have yet to see from Coach Bennett, who in his, in his entire time at UVA, Coach Bennett, only has had one technical foul whistled against him. Tony Bennett screaming to Corey Alexander across the floor, saying, this is on you, a call that could have cost Corey Alexander's alma mater the victory. 
First, if we go to a one-shot, I want to highlight what we're doing with the Blue Ridge Venture Fund. We've now helped six businesses in the Central Virginia community connect with private equity investment. Six businesses that were either in a difficult position from getting traditional financing from banks, didn't like the rate structure that they were getting from banks, or were seeking better upside through private equity investors, upside that could include counsel and guidance, along with money lending. Six businesses that now have capital in a very tough lending environment to expand their infrastructure and their models within Central Virginia, whether that's leasing space, hiring more people, or needing money to, to invest into a business to grow the business over a rapid period of time, over a short period of time very quickly. Blue Ridge Venture Fund, online at blueridgeventurefund.com. Today is the one-year anniversary of a mass shooting that unfortunately captivated much of the Commonwealth and much of the country. You know the details by now, a school, a school trip to D.C. ends in horror as a student athlete, a former student athlete, pulls a gun on a school bus that had football players on it and had regular and average students on it and open fire, resulting in the murder of three UVA football players. First, a year has flown by, has it not? Second, can you imagine what it's like to be the parents and the family of Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry? These are young men that were approaching adulthood, 20 and 21-year-olds, young men with potentially professional football futures, futures as fathers and as husbands, a murder still today that we have questions, multiple murders that we have questions. UVA has been tight-lipped with its investigation <clears throat> and what it's found since hosting and undergoing an investigation. To say they are forever in our hearts, I think is an understatement. Throughout this entire year, Deshaun Perry, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Devin Chandler have been memorialized and remembered on broadcasts with branding and end zones and through the fan base that we call UVA talking about their spirit and what it was like to be around them. I feel for the parents as a parent myself. Your worst nightmare is a parent. One year, gone but never forgotten. Hug someone tight that you love today and tell them you love them. 
I want to go to the housing story that I think is going to be extremely prolific within the traditional news cycle that we call television, print, and radio. And I think after today's show is going to be on the tip of many uh, tongues in Almaro County and in Charlottesville City. I want to weave you in on a two-shot, J-Dubs. Here's what we know. Truist Bank on Ivy Road. It's a parcel that's just over one acre, 1.02. Mm-hmm. The owner of the parcel is RMD Properties, yeah. a Winston-Salem, North Carolina mailing address on the Charlottesville GIS. They have aspirations, if you want to put the lower third, the second lower third on screen, of a 10-story, 130-foot tall, 242 apartment building that could be housing for 600 people. The University of Virginia wrote a letter which it sent to City Council and the Planning Commission this past Friday outlining why it it opposes a proposal for the plan unit development, a PUD, at 2117 Ivy Road. It's next to Moe's Original Barbecue. The letter was authored by two... um, uh, two individuals who've been on this network, Colette Sheehy and Alice, did you say, uh, let's Alice, see. I see you all the time. I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm messing uh, your last name up. Alice Rauscher, Rauscher? I would say Rauscher. Rauscher. <laughs> Alice Rauscher, the architect of UVA, Colette Sheehy, the UVA's senior vice president for operations and state government relations. UVA described this PUD, again, PUD, an acronym for Plan Unit Development, as a major departure from the city's stated goals for this entrance corridor. This project is right on the Albemarle County, Charlottesville city line on Ivy Road. If you listen to this show, you know UVA is expanding down Ivy Road. I've called Ivy Road the Academic Village 2.0. Ivy Road, home to the Data Science School. Ivy Road, home to Borshead Resort, their trophy property. Ivy Road, the area that's home to Ivy Square Shopping Center, where Foods of All Nations and a bunch of other shops are located. UVA purchased Ivy Square Shopping Center for $20 million in December of 2021. UVA purchased the Moe's BBQ location for $2,575,000 in October of 2021. UVA is buying this stretch of land quickly, aggressively, and in some cases, overpaying. 2575000 for the Moe's location. Now, Moe's Original Barbecue, friend of the program, Derek Bond, I helped broker that business deal, the sale from Mike and Ashley Abrams to Derek Bond. He's got a very long-term lease on his restaurant, and he's doing extremely well at Moe's Barbecue. UVA must honor the lease. The plans, the universe, UVA is going to honor the Foods of All Nations lease. It's going to honor the leases of the shops of the Foods of All and the Ivy Square Shopping Center. 
But we'll be realistic. Ivy Square, Ivy Road, excuse me, Ivy Road, from the traffic light where the tennis courts are located to the Borset Resort is going to look very, very different. If you watch closely, you'll see a sidewalk being built connecting the Boar's Head to grounds proper. If you look very closely, you'll see that the data science school has got significant momentum. I mean, Jeffrey Woodruff funded this project. You'll see that this is where the university wants to grow. Here's some of the questions I have that I think are very fair. And then I'll get to your questions, viewers and listeners. First question. Should the University of Virginia be writing letters to planning commissioners and Charlottesville City Council, letters that are going to be part of public discourse and be made public eventually, opposing private development at a time when Charlottesville City Council has said we're in a housing crisis? That's a fair question. Follow-up question. UVA is undoubtedly the most influential and powerful entity in central Virginia. No one's going to argue that, right? If the University of Virginia flexes its muscles and utilizes its clout, and if you want to go on a one here, I'll weave you in. To kibosh a project to keep a 242-unit a apartment building that would be home to roughly 600 people from coming to market, if it uses its cloud and its influence and power to keep this from becoming a reality, and then later buys the truest location site from RMD properties, is that a conflict of interest? That is a fair question. That is a very fair question. Next question I have. The Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association is doing a good job voicing its opinion of why it opposes this 10-story, 242-unit, 130-foot-tall building. And if you live in the Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association, you can empathize with what is ahead of them. I mean, you're talking way more density. You're talking more traffic. You're talking an impact on your quality of life. The Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association, a high-dollar neighborhood, a beautiful neighborhood, a gorgeous neighborhood, well-positioned and well-located neighborhood, certainly with its, its proximity to UVA and the city. I can understand why Lewis Mountain has galvanized and organized and strategized to oppose this project. Should the Lewis Mountain Neighborhood, Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association, which has a petition that was circulated, a petition that was sent to me, an association that is sending letters to the Planning Commission and to City Council, along with media members like me, outlining why they oppose this project, will the Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association utilize the playbook that is 
Zero East High Street and Phase 3 Dairy Market as an outline or as an X's and O's guide of how to stall and kill housing projects. Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association clearly has a precedent. The neighbors around Zero East High Street, Wendell Wood, Bo Carrington, apartments on the Rivanna River, this project is dead. City Council, on the record, their last meeting said, basically we're going to buy this land from Wendell Wood. The developer, Bo Carrington, he'll get an assignment fee. Wendell Wood's going to get $5.9 million minus the assignment fee that Bo Carrington gets. So there's a playbook, there's a precedent of what Lewis Mountain can do to kill this project in the city. Furthermore, there's another playbook, there's another precedent. Tenth and Page, the Tenth and Page neighborhood, utilize the, pre the pressure of activists and potentially the populace to stall Phase 3 Dairy Market. Phase 3 Dairy Market was a plan that was going to be housing for... Let me cue it up. It was going to be housing for a boatload of people, apartments constructed on antiquated, in place of antiquated buildings in, in the place of asphalt parking lots. 245 apartments to be exact. Now, 245 was the Rivanna River. Phase 3 Dairy Market was going to be, and you can find all this on ilovesevil.com. We've done a really good job of archiving what we're, written, what we're writing. That was going to be housing for 600 Charlottesvillians. Jesus. So you got Phase 3 Dairy Market that was housing for 600. You got Wendell and Bo's project on the Rivanna, Rivanna River on High Street that was going to be apartments for 245, 245 apartments. You figure, why don't we use 1.75 people times 245? You're talking 430 people there. If you talk 242 apartments, they're saying it's 600, so maybe my number is light on High Street. 600 on uh, Ivy Road. You're talking three projects here that could have easily housed 1,500 residents. New apartments online during a housing crisis that could have housed 1,500 residents. Ivy Road, Truist, Rivanna River, Zero East High, and Phase 3 Dairy Market. So here's what I'm going to be watching as I, as I then weave you in, and then I'll go to your comments. Deep Throat and John Blair, I'm going to go to you first. Should UVA be writing letters on the record to council, the planning commission, letters that were undoubtedly going to make it into the public eye, outlining why they are in opposition to a housing project during a time of a housing crisis? Second, if UVA crushes this project because they're influential and powerful and have clout, or helps to kibosh this project, and then later buys this dirt 
to make it part of its contiguous vision of Ivy Road, Academic Village 2.0, is that a fair play, or is that a conflict of interest? Third, Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association, how will it respond to this project now that UVA is in the mix, and will the Lewis Mountain Neighborhood Association follow the playbook of Zero East High Street and Phase 3 Dairy Market? Fourth, if this project is whittled down like a number two pencil, and I think this project will be whittled down like a number two pencil, do I personally think 600, uh, 242 apartments and, 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 and housing for 600 people on Ivy Road, uh, a 130-foot apartment tower, a 10-story building uh, at the site of a bank is, 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 is within the, uh, the entrance corridor vision uh, for Charlottesville? No, I, I do not. That building would stand out like an eyesore, undoubtedly, right on Ivy Road. I think this project is going to get whittled down like a number two pencil. I understand where Lewis Mountain is coming from. I see why the neighborhood has created a petition, a petition that has 218 supporters as of, uh, as of today. I want to get you in the mix, Judah, and then we go to John Blair and Deep Throat, and then the viewers and listeners of this Fine and Fair talk show. Your thoughts, J-Dubs? Uh, I think some people have pointed out that uh, they are curious how much the uh, Board of Visitors have to do with this letter and uh, have pointed out the fact that several of the Board of Visitors members are uh, what uh, they term, I think, land barons. I don't know if that would... That's something you read on Reddit. Yeah. Well, no, I, that's I, actually something I saw on uh, Twitter. I, I, I'm just repeating. I'm not I, sure how that applies to this, but go ahead. What's your thought here? I'm I not trying to catch you off. Repeat, repeat what you think here. I don't think. I just, uh, I'm just repeating one of the, uh, I think, I guess, theories that uh, I saw bandied around. I don't. I obviously don't know the veracity of this. And what was the theory? Uh, basically mentioning that uh, <clears throat> several of the UVA Board of Visitor members are, uh, are their term was land barons, I think. So they have real estate holdings. Yeah. So what, I, help me understand. I think the question would be, would they want to kibosh this so that uh, perhaps, as you mentioned, UVA getting a hold of the land um, and... This is one of the few privately owned parcels on Ivy Road not owned by UVA or the UVA Foundation. Right. And it is smack dab. And I'm going to offer my analysis and writing on ilovesteville.com this afternoon. And it's going to be read by, we look at the analytics, thousands of people. There's no doubt in my mind UVA wants this for their personal holding, for its for its bank of holdings. Yeah. One of the clear indicators of that is the University of Virginia spending $2,575,000 for a Moe's barbecue location and land. Right. That is vastly over assessment. 
In fact, because we enjoy spending time on the Charlottesville GIS, keep pontificating over there, Judah. I'm going to call up the assessment for that building. What else is on your mind? Uh, I mean, I, I really see both sides of it. I, you know, at some point, we have to start building. Uh, people can... <coughs> People can toss out all the uh, all the the whys and and why nots for you know for stopping deals like this for for not building in you know this place or you know that place uh, for uh, stopping uh, stopping the the dairy market expansion. Um, Everybody's going to have reasons why we shouldn't do something, but at we need we need the housing. At some point, somebody has to build something, or we're just going to be stuck in this rut forever, and it's not going to get any better for anyone involved. I don't think. Um, that being said, uh, looking at that corner, I can kind of see how. How a lot of people would look at from you know people from the neighborhood to uh, people at the at the university would look at a uh, a massive apartment structure right there in that corner as a bit of a I don't know a, I don't know what it's going to look like so I'm not going to say it would be an eyesore but it seems like it would be a little out of place and uh, and I'm not sure how they would deal with uh, with traffic for that. Not to mention parking for all those spots, unless they made the first uh, uh, the first two floors <coughs> all parking, or if they did an underground parking lot. I'm not sure what they what the plans for that are, but uh, I can I can definitely see how both sides are looking at this, and seeing different things, uh, you know seeing different sides of it. John Blair says this, Jerry, I think it is worth pointing out that in May of this year, the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors approved a 525-unit development on Old Ivy Road. You and Judah and I know that the development will lead to large amounts of traffic on Ivy Road. Did UVA write a letter protesting the development in the county? I'm curious. Uh, I think he knows the answer to that. I do not believe the University of Virginia. John, great comment. University of Virginia did write a letter. The difference between Ivy Road and Old Ivy Road is a fairly significant one. Ivy Road is the um, entrance corridor where UVA is trying to expand down. Old Ivy Road is the road that runs parallel to Ivy Road, but it is not as in a desirable location as Ivy Road. Old Ivy Road is under the train road pass adjacent to Huntington Village, and where the Ivy Inn restaurant is located. Hmm. The unit, the 525-unit development on Old Ivy Road, close to St. Anne's Belfield Academy, next to Davenport Field, by Huntington Village, uh, the Ivy Inn restaurant, I, sh I don't see how 525 units can, can, can be accommodated there. We're talking a two-lane road with very little shoulder, um, but time will tell. I would imagine that project is going to have significant proffers included, proffers like traffic lights 
expanding the width of the road, creating sidewalks, shoulders, bike yeah. lanes, safety improvements to Old Ivy Road. 525 like units. Making sure that people can get under that bridge no matter the, uh, no matter the, the weather. Especially at times of flooding. Yeah. That is prone to flooding. Mary Montgomery, welcome to the show. Logan Wells Clayla, welcome to the show. I met your husband um, at the board set. I believe his name is Mark. Fantastic guy, Logan. Uh, Scott Worf says he does not think Corey Alexander is one of the best UVA players in UVA history. I respectfully disagree with the uh, mayor of Virginia Beach, Scott Aaronworth. And I'm going to say I'd say CA is one of the best players in UVA history. Respectfully disagree on that one. First round draft pick, Corey Alexander. Not many folks can say that, that went to the University of Virginia. Um, James Watson says, the data science school we know is a major economic engine, but it makes me wonder if a brick and mortar school is really the future. I know for data science masters, Georgia Tech is primarily remote. UVA is very committed to having its learning done in person. Very committed to it. And I would imagine when you get donations that are of the nine-figure ilk, nine-figure ilk, like Mr. Woodruff has done, he is going to be committed to having in-person learning at the school that he is funding. Let's go to Deep Throat. Very excited to read Deep Throat's commentary on this. The man knows these projects inside and out. Deep Throat says this, on the UVA letter, Jerry and Judah, viewers and listeners, and, and folks, respond to Deep Throat here. I think he's very provocative with his commentary and certainly makes this program better. He says, Jerry, Judah, viewers and listeners, in regards to the UVA letter, I was strolling down Emmett this weekend and passed by the former city of, city of University Gardens. The sign is still there. University Gardens is not. It's now yet more event parking space for the John Paul Jones Arena. If UVA does not want the RMD project on Ivy Road, they could easily kill the economics of off-campus student housing development by providing more housing on campus, or at least not bulldozing existing housing. Yes, it needed a renovation or replacement, but UVA could have done either in favor of car parking. He says this, UVA is the unacknowledged villain of Charlottesville's housing crisis such as it is. UVA brings in the students, it brings in the employees to serve those students, it pays non-professional staff poorly, takes property off the tax rolls, and literally bulldozes some of the housing it actually did provide. And probably its admins laugh behind their sleeves as activists, some of whom are UVA employees, play misdirection and conjure up the boogeyman of white wealthy homeowners. Sadly, Charlottesville is dumb enough to fall for it. And finally, Deep Throat says this, the, sh the cherry on the Sunday would be if UVA helps block the RMD project, thereby knocking down the value of the parcel, and then UVA buys the lot for itself. He says it's a worse conflict than anything Rory Stolzenberg has done. That's deep throat. I'll put in perspective the value of this land on Ivy Road for UVA. The assessed value of the Moe's Barbecue location, and I was intimately a part of this deal, was $973,400 as of this year. I will say it again. The assessed value of the Moe's Barbecue location, you can rotate those lower thirds in regards to this topic if you could please, is $973,400. UVA paid 
for the Mohs location, $2,575,000 in October of 2021. The assessed value of the Mohs Barbecue location in 2021, when UVA bought it, was $906,600. That means UVA paid basically three times the assessed value for the Mohs location. That shows you the former owner of Mohs Barbecue, a gentleman I know who I will not name that understands land leases extremely well, owns a boatload of property in this area of Charlottesville and Almaro County, <laughs> understood the concept of negotiation and leverage. He waited till deals all up and down Ivy Road closed before selling his parcel to the university. He said, here's where they're going. I'm going to hold out and do this last second. Let them buy up all of Ivy Road, and then they're going to come to me, and they're going to offer me a premium versus what they were paying earlier as they purchased property along this stretch of land. 3x the assessment UVA paid in October of 2021. Um, Deep Throat uh, sends, or excuse me, Neil Williamson uh, uses the hashtag more housing everywhere for everyone. He also sends a link to the VDOT study on uh, the old Ivy Road project. There is no right answer for this topic. That's what makes the topic so dynamic for a talk show. We're in a housing crisis and we need more housing. Yeah. But evidently, we did not need more housing on the banks of the Rivanna River. And evidently, we did not need more housing next to a historically African-American neighborhood. Will we need more housing next to a homogenous, wealthy neighborhood called Lewis Mountain? And if we get more housing next to a homogenous, wealthy neighborhood next to Lewis Mountain, does that show the hypocritical nature of housing in Charlottesville where said housing was not permitted next to a river and next to a historically African-American neighborhood. You see the dynamic there, right? Yeah, it's uh, obviously that's a little simplified. I mean, there are a lot of facets to the uh, to building on the river. And uh, What about 10th and Page? In the uh, place of buildings that were crumbling in an asphalt parking lot that was underutilized. That seems a little more cut and dried that, uh, you know, it was clearly a good, uh, a good faith um, project that meant to, uh, meant to provide more housing. And some people had a problem with it. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville, the Lewis Mountain HOA does not have the environmental argument deployed against Zero East High Street, nor the gentrification argument made against Phase 3 Dairy Market. They may, may need a slightly different playbook. That's a good point. Is it a good point, though? Environmental impact. Six, 600, uh, housing for 600 people. 
more cars on the road, worse for the, first, worse for the environment, vehicle that's, pollution. But that's going to happen somewhere anyways. To right? the tune of 600 people, though? Eventually. Or could it be scaled back? You're talking about in one spot, or are you talking about in Charlottesville? I'm talking in one spot. In total. Knocking down a bank and building an apartment building to the brink of a 1.02 acre parcel. Literally to the brink of it. Yeah, because it would have to be. It would have to be. To house 600 people. It is a lot. To house 600 people. And I really want to put this in perspective here. I've said this once, and I'll say it again. Some of the most valuable real estate in Charlottesville, Virginia right now is the University Shopping Center. The commercial condos on Ivy Road that are home to the Papa John's, that are home to the tennis shop, that are previously home to, uh, what was the name of the sushi joint? Tokyo Rose. Tokyo Rose. That's now a, a Latin grocery store and restaurant. Right next to that car wash, the University Shopping Center, Hunter Craig owns a portion of it, is one of the most valuable pieces of real estate in the city of Charlottesville. If someone could assemble ownership of that shopping center, they would be sitting on literally gold. But the reason that shopping center is still in its current form is it has three or four different owners, and no one has been able to assemble control of that shopping center. That is gold right there. And UVA wants that one badly. Badly. Do you have a problem with UVA? Do I? Do you have a problem with UVA writing a letter opposing it? It's an opinion, no. I... You have no problem with UVA writing a letter opposing that project? I mean, should I? I'm asking you. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I mean, it, it, do you think they pressured these two people, Shehi and... Uh, and Shehi. Shehi. And Rauscher. And Rauscher. I don't think they were pressured. I work for UVA. UVA wants the land. So you think they... I mean, that's maybe not pressured, but you... So you think UVA had them write the letter because they want to stop this so that they, they can... They are UVA. What? These, these are... They're part of it, yeah. They're, okay. the heavy, they're heavy hitters. All right, fair enough. We're talking about the heaviest of hitters here. Okay. I mean, we're talking a rung below Jim Ryan. All right. Legitimately. Fair enough. My question is the conflict of interest question. That's what my question is. Okay, let me ask yeah, you a very pointed question. It's questionable. Let I me think. ask you a very pointed question. Do you think UVA wants this land? Oh, no doubt about it. Okay. We're in agreement there. I think the viewers and listeners are in agreement with us. They want the 1.02 acres. It's the truest bank side. Yeah. Follow-up question. If you want the 1.02 acres... Do you maneuver to get what you want as long as it's above board? Why wouldn't you? There you go. <clears throat> Why don't they just make an offer? Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't their offer be more valuable than all of the, the headache of production? Depends on what the offer is. 
But you said they paid three times the... For most. Why wouldn't they... How do you know that hasn't happened? How do I know that they haven't uh, uh, given an offer already? Yeah. I bet a a hell of a lot of money that that offer has already been made. Well, then what is your theory as to why the owner would not be selling that in Because 242 apartments, once constructed in that position and that location... Is, is gold. I mean, 242 apartments? Let's see. Let's just use... Uh, this is a good question for you, Deep Throat. If you're still watching Deep Throat. What do you think the 242 apartments... Deep Throat is really good at this. What do you think the 242 apartments would cost to build? Genuine question for you. What do you think it would cost to build... Uh, the 242 apartments on Ivy Road. He says, oh, he's still watching. Good. UVA can't match RMD because UVA will not build to that intensity. He would know that number better than me. I would bet you those 242 apartments have a market rent of, let's use a conservative number of 2,000. 242 times 2,000. It's $484,000 in gross revenues per month in rent times 12 months. That's $5,808,000 in gross revenue, gross rents per year at a conservative 2,000. Deep Throat says he anticipates this literally is something that he knows inside and out. He would guess that would be a $75 million construction project. The 242 apartments. So UVA tries to knock down max intensity of use to lower the value to a level they can buy. You see what he's saying there? I think so. Unpack that for me. I'll give it to you again. You unpack it for the viewers and listeners. I've never heard of the term intensity of use before. $75 million would be his guess to build this project. 10-story building, 130 feet tall, 242 apartments. Yeah. So UVA tries to knock down the max intensity of use to lower the value to a level they can buy. Break it down. I'm, if you want me to break it down, I'll break it down. No, no, I still need explain to me max, max intensity. intensity, density, of, maximum density, maximum people. Basically, you okay. can diminish the value of the parcel so you're saying by if, diminishing if they how can, many if they can lease. By, I gave you a shot to say this. Okay, you can go ahead. You, you, you asked me a question, and I'm getting the answer, now you're interrupting me. But go ahead. I, I was asking a question. Uh, feel free. No, no. What was your question? Um, so you're saying if they, if they could prevent them from being able to, to build to nine or ten stories, then it would be worth less to the owners who would then be more amenable to selling it to UVA? There it is. 242 apartments. If you can diminish the density of apartments on this land, the land has less value because the return on the back end isn't as significant. If the return on the back end isn't as significant, then the value of the land, the value is not the bank, the value of the land drops. If the value of the land drops, they get potentially a better deal.
He says he guesses the value at the end of this project is something like 100 plus million, so 25 million potential in profit when the project is finished. UVA is not going to pay that amount. Dynamic topic. Marquise Johnson says this. Neil, they're for housing for people that look like them. They're not for housing for the rest of the community. Only people that can play rack and ball and invest in a downtown beer garden and invest in the Blue Ridge Venture Fund. Marquise Johnson. Appreciate when you comment, Marquise. I'll, I'll, I'll push back gently on that, Marquise. Any housing that comes to market can create some kind of housing affordability because additional supply will open up opportunity at lower price points for community members that cannot, cannot afford the higher price point. That's the whole concept of upzoning. If we create additional supply of housing, whether for purchase or for rent, that additional supply should stabilize prices. That's upzoning in a nutshell. I, I, do, I do agree, uh, Deep Throat says, this housing is for students who come from rich families. Hmm. I think the $2,000 a month is light as well. Because this is the type of housing where if you put it on that truest location, you literally can walk to, pr it's pretty much the, if you think about it, what has become the, the exact center point of UVA grounds now? If you figure Ivy Road... The Ivy Road, if you figure Ivy, uh, UVA is going to go all the way to, to Borsan. Yeah. The exact center of UVA grounds, if it goes all the way to Borsan, is it now like those, tens, those tennis courts on the corner? I, uh, that might now be the center of, of grounds. And the follow-up question I have for you do we call the Ivy Stretch grounds? I think we probably do. I think we probably do. Mm. Good topic. I like this topic a lot. Good topic for a talk show. Got multiple media outlets watching us right now. Bill McChesney watching the program. Hello. Anything you want to add on this topic before we shift to another one? Mm, I, I think it's a, I think it's a bold move by EVA. Um, very strategic if, uh, if it works and they end up getting a getting a grip on the property. Do you think uh, council's going to green light 130 feet? I don't know. 10 about stories that. and 242 apartments and a one acre site that was home to a bank? I don't know. Well, what's your bet? I, I, I think they probably know they've got to do something, otherwise, they're going to. They're going to look real bad. 
considering considering uh, the nixing of the of the housing on uh, on Ravana. Eventually, eventually they've got to approve something and get some housing built. Otherwise, people are going to say, "What the heck? What the heck are you doing?" Follow-up question to that: Does UVA, does uh, City Council, City Council look like it's uh, doing a double standard by nixing Rivana, buying the land from the developer, stalling Phase Three on Tenth and Page Dairy Market by green, but greenlighting this? I, I think they're in a pretty they are in a no-win situation here. yeah and they made their own bed yeah no doubt i think eventually UBA made its own bed eventually or city council excuse yeah me. yeah eventually they've got a they've got to okay something otherwise yeah otherwise people are just gonna say what the heck are you doing they made their own bed they created a they they created how would you characterize this I mean, all the uproar over the uh, the rezoning, and then you've got you've got uh, you know <coughs> housing deals popping up and getting shot down. It's just kind of a bad look. They, they literally have created a albatross. A I don't know how you would characterize this. A no-win situation. No-win situation. All right, um, two other topics. Um, one thing I want to highlight for the viewers and listeners, we have, um, our team currently has one office for rent. It's $495 per month. It's a 120 square foot office with an attached private waiting room for your clients. This is a fantastic office for an entrepreneur, a team of one to four people, therapists, I cover the cost of Ting Fiber Internet. I cover the cost of electric, um, bathroom cleaning, janitorial service, $4.95 per month, private office with a private waiting room in our building on Market Street next to a parking garage. DM me if you would like that, um, a tour of the office, or if this fits your budget at $4.95 a month, you're looking at the entry price point in downtown Charlottesville. Let's talk about the brawl at Charlottesville High School. Rob Schilling got video of the brawl. This is another dynamic story. I'll set the stage. Earlier this month, a 30-person brawl, roughly 30 people, roughly, in the library at Charlottesville High School. We've heard through the grapevine that the brawl was race-related. The reason we've heard through the grapevine that the brawl was race-related was because the video that depicted the brawl on social media, multiple videos, multiple videos, and commentary around the videos, highlights the use of nasty racial language. And I'll leave it at that. We know a teacher's been injured, injured enough where they are seeking legal counsel. We know that the principal at Charlottesville High School resigned post this brawl, after this brawl. Are we attributing the resignation directly to this massive brawl? No. But I would imagine if there's a brawl of this magnitude within the school that you're the principal of, this is going to contribute to your surprising resignation in some form or another. Um, this has created calls from community members to bring school resource officers 
to the schools in more prolific or larger number fashion. This has also asked folks in the community about the cell phone policy, which bans cell phones on school grounds, yet half a dozen students have depicted the brawl on social media through cell phone cameras, publishing the brawl onto their social channels. And it's really created a lot of worry amongst parents and, and, and community stakeholders about the quality of life for teachers and students and administrators um, and the safety for teachers, students, and administrators within uh, school hallways. Rob Schilling has depicted the brawl um, on his website in video capacity. We had the uh, brawl video um, last week, and we chose not to publish that. Um, I do uh, want to discuss the brawl without showing the footage. Your thoughts on this? Judah Wickhauer. I mean, from the footage that I saw, it didn't seem as uh, as serious as I had at first thought, can, all things considered. But uh, there there may have been a lot that that we were not seeing in the in you the video. You thought what first? I thought it wasn't as serious. It looked like a large group of people, but oh I didn't. My goodness! It didn't look to me like they were all involved in a brawl. It looked like a bunch of them were were following whatever was going on. Um, I could be wrong. A lot of I think you are wrong on this one. Well, I could be. A lot of it was blurry, probably to uh, obscure the faces of you know high school kids. Um, but it seemed like it seemed more like uh, a bunch of people following a few people fighting than like a gigantic melee of thirty or forty people all punching and kicking each other. A unique approach marginalizing violence in schools amongst minors while on school grounds. Uh, if we could rotate the lower third, that would be good. Um, I am not going to marginalize violence amongst minors in schools. Violence that led to one teacher getting injured enough that they're chatting with legal counsel about their potential options. Violence enough that could have led to the resignation surprise of the school principal at Charlottesville High School, a resignation with only 13 days of notice before his last day, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Violence that has been prolific enough, also characterized in Rob's report, you saw that, right? Where he talks about the other violence in the schools? I didn't read through the whole article. Okay. I, I did. I did read through the entire article. Um, there have been um, other incidents at the school that were equally as concerning. It begs the question, school resource officers and their position within schools and their future within schools. I am an SRO supporter. Those that vocalize um, opposition to SROs often highlight that SROs have too much power and blanket punish or blanket arrests, even passerbys or standbys in brawls of this magnitude. I don't buy that. I understand that not all apples in the barrel are ones of integrity or positive upside. But I hear teachers, and I hear parents, and I hear students calling for SROs, and I think it's time to listen. 
how much longer does this need to happen? How often, more often, does this need to happen? It's frightening as a parent, and I will not marginalize any violence with minors on school grounds, ever, ever. Any parent that is involved, that has their child involved, if even, even with a skirmish, is going to be upset, angry, concerned, and worried. Get the school resource officers in the school. Consider more than one. The cell phone ban clearly is not working. Law and order, or at least safety and order, must return. And if you don't, you'll have administrator and teacher attrition at greater frequencies. I mean, literally, you had a principal, the guy who's making six figures plus with the school, the highest earner within the school, quit and say, I'm quitting in 13 days. I got to prioritize my health. That's not a barometer of positivity. Last topic, and then we'll get to your comments. Corey Alexander, one of UVA's great basketball players. And you know, I'm going to say this. Corey is one of the greatest basketball players of all time from the University of Virginia. You're talking a guy that was a first-round draft pick in 1995, He played for the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets, the Orlando Magic. He's an ACC network uh, broadcaster, color commentator. He runs a basketball school in Richmond. By all accounts, an A-plus guy, a Waynesboro, Virginia native. Played at Oak Hill Academy. Second team All-ACC in 93. First team parade All-American, a 1,700, uh, how many points did he score in college basketball? Significant score in college basketball for the Wahoos. On Friday night in a victory against the Florida Gators, a tight, close win against the Florida Gators, Corey Alexander, the broadcaster, found himself influencing the outcome of a game. UVA won 73-70. This story would be much more um, new cycle dominant if UVA had lost. If Florida had won and if Corey Alexander had influenced the game and, 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 and led to a Gator victory, he would be facing a much more significant wrath or much more significant ire from UVA fans. Still, he is being lambasted by this fan base. Referees made a decision. They said it was UVA ball on a bang-bang play by the sidelines. Corey Alexander and boisterous and in vocal and in hand-waving fashion was able to get the referee's attention, point to monitors and camera angles that the referees did not have courtside, 
and suggest that the referees should look at the ACC broadcast replay instead of the replays that they had in front of them at courtside. After looking at the ACC network broadcast replays, they decided to overturn the call and rule in favor of Florida, giving the ball to the Gators in absolute crunch time at the end of the game. I have these questions as a fan. First question I have is this. Why does the ACC network have camera angles that the referees do not have courtside? That boggles my mind. The referees courtside should have every camera angle that the ACC network has and should be immediately able to assess those camera angles. The second question that I have, if you're a media member and you're covering a game and the referees ask you, what did you see? Your immediate response should be, I'm calling the game. I'm not a part of the game. I don't answer questions. What did you see? That's not for me to answer. Broadcasters do not get involved with game outcomes. That opens up a Pandora's box of, does the broadcaster have money on the game? I'm not saying he does. I'm not saying that at all. But it opens up questions like that. Broadcasters and media members are not a part of games. They don't determine outcomes. The right answer, and I would bet it's an answer he's going to utilize moving forward, is I am not a part of the game. I'm just calling the game. That's not for me to answer. I think we saw Tony Bennett as angry as we've ever seen the coach. He's only gotten one technical foul in his time at UVA. He did not get one this past Friday night because Ryan Dunn, the second year, basically talked him off at the ledge and said, Coach, next play, next play, next play. And that when, that's when Coach Bennett started calming down. We'll talk about this tomorrow on the Jerry and Jerry Show with Virginia Sports Hall of Famer Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. The Jerry and Jerry Show airs Tuesdays at 10.15 a.m. on the I Love Seville Network.